Hi, and welcome to Cafe 21, a showcase and collection of some truly inspiring and motivational success stories from various renowned figures and guests from all over the world in all areas of work. In today's episode, Danny interviews the former IBF and WBO Intercontinental Boxing Champion, Dr. Mark Prince. We hope you enjoy. Um, what would you say were the highlights of your boxing career? The highlights for me is always when you're going through difficult times and you find your way through it. So one of my highlights was when I fought for my first title, the WBO Intercontinental, and uh, I was fighting number one in Britain. Uh, Morris Hardcore from Manchester. And I think I was a little bit, I was a little bit nervous. Um, I was a little bit gun shy. It was a big stage. And it wasn't because I hadn't been on big stages, but there was so much um, on the line. Um, so, and plus he was Britain's number one. He'd fought for European championships. He had world-class experience. And I think I gave him too much respect. He should have just been another opponent in my eyes. So I found myself <clears throat> getting hit more than I normally would. I found myself not letting the lion out of me and um, was giving him a pretty easy fight. Um, and he was able to create a headbutt me and I got a big cut in my eye and I went back to my corner in the sixth round because my trainer was complaining to the ref about how his use of his head and eventually it actually opened up a huge cut over my eye and the, the cut was so bad it was my the the, the, the corner said later that the, the skin was kind of like just kind of leaning like it was just opening up and the, the ref came in my corner and said, Prince, I can only give you one more round. I'm going to pull you out of the fight because of the cut. So um, one of my highlights of my career was getting the job done within the three minutes specified for me. Um, and that was a very proud moment. And you could see uh, it, uh, when I uploaded one day onto um, YouTube, you could see the joy. I jumped up in the air. My trainer held me because that's tough going. When someone says you've got three minutes and that's it, and you know that's your chance to win this first title and you can't lose, um, and you pull it out the bag, that that takes a lot of kahunas and um, belief, a lot of self-belief, because I was determined and convinced that this is it. When he said it to me, I just looked at him and I said, cool. And it was like this, this feeling came over me like, okay, that's all right. That just means I've got three minutes to take him out. So I'm going to take him out in three minutes. And now I realize how difficult that could have been. Because you could easily have thought, shit, I messed up. My last chance, this is it. Mm. I can't take this guy out in three minutes. I haven't even hurt him yet in the fight. I'm not only supposed to hurt him, I'm supposed to stop him in this round. That's a hard call. And um, 
And I didn't think like that. I thought the other way. I believed that this is it. He's finished in this round. And I went out and done it. So that was a really proud moment. Another highlight of my career was um, not really being prepared the way I should have when I fought Michael Gale. And when I fought him, um, I was all over the place. My legs were shook. He hit me with a good shot. And... Um, and despite the fact that I looked like I was on my way out, I turned it around, dug deep, and found the winning bombshell to land on his chin and uh, put, put him to sleep for, for that fight. So that was a real highlight moment. That one's on YouTube, me and Michael Gale. A lot of people have seen that. And uh, a lot of people love the, 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 the guts and the blood and the hardcoreness that that boxing brings and that fight done that mm. that fight was a, a proud gutsy um, messy round so I'm really proud of that as well that was another highlight for me <laughs> yeah that's well I can imagine that first fight was a lot of pressure getting to that so a relief to get the finish round must have been big always absolutely always finding that punch and even fighting for the world title it was a massive highlight for me because mm. oh, I'm going into another Lions Den, going into Germany. The guy's undefeated. He's an absolute beast. And uh, to go in there and believe that you could win um, is is an awesome thing. Um, you know, there's more to the story, but just to highlight that, that was a highlight. You know, coming out of the airport and the press rushing you and it was like an, an entry into another level you know what i mean press conferences and and um, with, a, with a champion of that caliber um was a real highlight for me and even though i lost the fight um i didn't feel like i failed i didn't feel i didn't feel like a failure i thought i failed the mission but failure is about learning so much and and becoming better based on that failure. And I think that's exactly what happened to me. I became a, a much better fighter having spent eight rounds uh, with one of the greatest light heavyweights to grace the ring. Um, so the second question is... Um... How was sports technology important to your career? And did you see a kind of a evolution of sports technology over the span of your career? No, I'm from the old school. Straight old school, boots on, out in the park, hills, um, not even good trainers and footwear. That's what I grew up seeing from my dad, uh, breaking eggs and raw eggs in the morning after your run. So forget sports technology and all of that. It was hardcore work and graft and repetitiveness. You do the same thing over and over again. Uh, then there was nothing to gauge how you were developing more speed, power, nothing like that. There was nothing, uh, there was no technology in the way we trained. You just put the hard work in. You put the rounds in. Um, you you ran the roads, mm. got up early. You know, I used to go up to, to Hampstead, I think, where Bruno used to do his runs. And I used to be with Watson's, Michael Watson's trainer, Eric Seacombe. 
used to take me with a load of pros. I'm amateur, but he saw potential in me. So he took me up there, and it was just hard work. Just There was no sports technology. I knew nothing. I have none of the knowledge that I have now about sports and, and, and different types of training styles and developing your uh, cardiovascular and how to develop your strength training. And, uh, we had none of that. You know, mm. you just you just worked your ass off. Would you say the massive change of how boxers prepare back in your day to in the modern day then? The basics, the fundamentals are there. That could never change in boxing. Um, you gotta be doing your road work, you gotta be you gotta be doing your cardio, your strength work. However you do it, it's gotta be done. I just think there's a lot of knowledge around how you do that. There's a lot more machinery to test us. Yeah. And, and man becomes more creative over time. So we've just found that. You know, if you look at Lomachenko, one of the best fighters in the world, and the different styles and techniques he has with hand and eye coordination, and you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have none of those things going on at the time. Um, you know, even the the ball, the ball mm. to string, you know, even that strategy is very, very helpful, and you know, helps to develop your timing and and um, your control you know, over over how much power you put in punches and many other areas. So so yeah, it's 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 definitely developed a lot and and I, I believe I would have been probably it would give you the edge. It can give you the edge. I would have been a better fighter had we been in that era where we've got all those little mod comms to help with training. Yeah. Okay, great. Um so third question is what have been your main focuses since your retirement from boxing? My main focus since I retired, yeah, that's changed over time. <clears throat> when I first <clears throat> remember, it was a forced retirement, you know, it wasn't something of choice. So I was in a lot of distress and problems when I finished boxing. So the first focus was trying to pay the bills. Uh, you, you know, you're injured and it's ruined your career. As time goes on, you focus on wanting to help young people and use your journey that you went through to help others so they they don't have to get caught up in um, violence on the streets and gangs and criminal activity and drugs and all sorts so you share your journey with them and how you came from all of that into becoming a world number one contender in the light heavyweight division and um and I, I share that. So that that changed over time. And and then evidently because of my son, um, who we could see in the picture behind us and the work that we're doing here, you can see that I got deeper into that because someone plunged a knife in my son's heart. Um, so instead of being revengeful and bitter and angry, uh, for the rest of my life and just stuck in grief, I decided to utilize all of that pain, all of that grief, and direct it into doing something positive that could impact other young people. And that's been my focus um, for, well, the charity registered in 2008, February, but obviously that's been my focus before that. That's what gets me out of bed. Um, 
and my focus is self-development because if I'm helping other young people to focus on self-development so they could they could achieve all they that they have been born to achieve their purpose in life, then I have to go through that journey myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm always on a self-development journey. What more books? What books can I read to add value to me? What courses can I do to add value to me? How can I better improve myself and add more knowledge so I can disperse that and lay seeds of knowledge for the young people? So my focus has basically been about self-development so I can pour wisdom and knowledge into the people that I'm impacting on a daily basis. Right. You um, somewhat kind of delved into it, but what work do you do like day to day with the Kind Prince Foundation? Well, at the moment, because of COVID, it's sparked my wonderful run of going into schools and meeting young people and sharing my life with young people and inspiring them. It's got my work of developing that I've developed a 12 week program called Future Champions and going out to develop those future champions because every young person in my eyes is a future champion. They have have success seeded in them. They have great potential seeded in them. And it's about us and our system of bringing that up and developing that. So that's my day-to-day process like. So it will be about me answering emails we've got a lot more people that are speaking to us uh, online now parents contacting us online wanting us to help their young person who's who's you know whether they've got anger issues or whatever issues is going on and they want support with their young person so we try to meet their needs um, and also developing uh, a premises we're trying to find the premises for the gym um, so we, we're developing right now online presence so we can still have an impact on young people without having to go in and, and meet them because the restrictions, um, they're, they're many and they're quite distressing because young people need interaction and all of these things so they can develop. Uh, but the government have seen it fit that these are the things that have been cut off from our young people and uh, whether we agree or not, this is this is the problems that we face and we have to find a way around it. So my day today is developing my programs, developing products, uh, developing um, different with this anger management, mental health issues, all of these sort of packages so young people can get this and attain it. It's also about training people because we've got like a few people at the moment that are trained so they can do what I do. So we take them through the process of life coaching, what it entails, our system and our style of engaging with young people. So they can bring their own swag, but they obviously have been taught a system that we have of being able to bring out the best in that young person. So we're currently just training a few individuals to join our team and we want to expand that. Um, so we have at least 10 people on our books delivering programs because I think I've I've developed this enough, I've done enough work, we've come to the stage now, it's time to expand. So, you know, 
I think everything that we get, that we raise, um, is going to go towards premises and staff to be able to deliver. So it's not me, just me under pressure, having to uh, come with delivering programs and mentoring and life coaching to everyone. It's far too much for one man. And I can't leave a legacy. If I pass away tomorrow, that's got to carry on. So my whole focus around my everyday functioning now is about ensuring that that legacy's there, those programs still run, whether I'm here or not. Right, and yeah, it's really well, great cause that the charity's working towards, and I think everyone at Sports Tech's really happy to be supporting it. Um, so would you say technology has become like really important with, especially with coronavirus, is, are you investing in technology and are you focused on kind of like applications and social medias particularly? Um, we've been discussing about having an app for a while. We're now sourcing like all the equipment that's needed for a quality uh, online, um, <clears throat> online program, really. It's going to be giving people a platform to be interviewed. It's going to be giving young people a platform and a forum where they can express themselves, because I think that's really important. Young people sometimes feel they have no voice. We have to give them that platform and that forum to have a voice. Uh, <clears throat> we also want people to be able to see how they can deal with the anxiety and stresses of COVID. Because I think the government have sort of strategically put together this plan of putting fear into everybody. There's a way that you can report things um, and not put everybody in a fearful situation. And I think that's happened. Um, and it hasn't happened accidentally. It's the way that you report things. So that's the focus, really, is to is to help help young people deal with all those stresses and deal with all that anxiety and, and how to see COVID. Because COVID is no different than catching pneumonia, a cold, and everything else. It's the same type of symptoms, the same type of virus. And how you deal with that is your immune system. No one's ever told you to put a mask on for to, to not catch pneumonia and not catch a cold. You know, we've got reports of doctors talking about the mask actually causes more damage because you're breathing in carbon monoxide. And we've got we've got uh, we've got knowledge about these things. So it can I think we're going to have some problems later on, and it can cause more anxiety. You not having the oxygen that you breathe in your body, the natural oxygen that you need to be able to have a clear mind and a healthy body. I think it's going to create more problems later on in the future. Um, and just recently, someone was talking about um, some people in their family that because they're always wearing a mask, uh, he's now been diagnosed with some problems with always breathing in the same air from the mask. Um, so his lungs have been affected. Um, All right, that is really bad stuff going on. I know it's a little bit varied off from where we're going, but I think it's important to mention because of the fear that's placing everyone around it. Um, yeah, so I just thought I'd mention that anyway. It's interesting to see how kind of the news is spread and how it just kind of, it just generates fear. And yeah. I think a lot of people are feeling that I mean, kind of with confusion about restrictions and when things are going to end. I think a lot of people have probably have that anxiety, especially if they're kind of seeing people less and they can't really talk to people. 
So yeah, yeah it's, that's really important. Yeah, I'm getting a lot more messages from young people at schools that I've been to, that I've impacted and that are messaging me now about these kind of subjects and how the anxiety levels are kind of going up. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think it is definitely something that we can't ignore and that we should talk about. Yeah, great. Oh, well, thank you very much. Those are all the questions. Uh, it's been Lovely. great chatting to you. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Cafe 21. You can catch us on all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube at STGC 2021. You can also get tickets for our live conference happening on the 16th of October at Magazine London on Ticketmaster. Go to our website, sportstechglobalconference.com for more information. See you there.